Welcome to the Encourageous Podcast. My name is Angel Clark, and I'll be your host. Everyone goes through difficult things in life, but it takes a special type of person to use their pain to help others. That's exactly the kind of people you're going to hear from here on Encourageous. Each episode will tell the story of someone who not only survived their struggle, but is thriving. Join us for vulnerable, firsthand testimonies that will inspire you to press on. Get ready to be encouraged. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into the Encourageous podcast today. Um, If you don't mind, if you can, whatever platform you're listening on, if you can like or follow or subscribe, that helps to get the word out about this little podcast of mine. Um, You know, the whole message is to encourage people, and we want as many people on board, especially with the way things are right now, to be encouraged. So if you don't mind doing that, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, Okay, so enough of the housekeeping. My guest today is RJ Rogers. He is an activist and an advocate in our community, and we have actually never met in person, so you guys are kind of meeting him right along with me. So RJ, would you uh, give us a little little intro about yourself? Uh, Absolutely. Um, Originally, I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Um, moved to Claremont with my uh, parents when I was about three um, in 2001. So I've been living in Claremont uh, for about 18 years now. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been a part of the Claremont community. I went to school at South Lake Montessori, um, right in downtown Claremont, uh, and went to middle and high school at Montverde Academy. Um, so, you know, I'm very local. I, I know the uh, a lot of people out here have friends that went to Lake Mineola, East Ridge and South Lake, um, you know, West Orange, basically like Central Florida is my home. Um, I am currently in college for my political science degree. Um, hopefully, maybe one day I'll go to law school, but I'm not too sure about the, the route I want to take just yet. Um, but you know, right now, definitely just working on getting my degree, um, and being an active part, uh, being an active member in my community. Yep. That's awesome. So I thought I saw somewhere, um, through mutual friends on Facebook that you helped with some sort of campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I helped Ebo Insua for city council. Um, Ebo is a great friend of mine. I've known him for, uh, a long time. Well, we actually met because um, my English teacher in high school was his English teacher in high school. And she said, um, you know, you guys look like, you know, I was looking for a job one summer and she said, well, I got this guy who used to be my student. Um, He's running for city council. Let me get you in touch with him. And, you know, the rest is history. Um, You know, he didn't, he didn't win city council, but, you know, we learned a lot. We made a lot of uh, friends, a lot of connections. I met a lot of people. Um, in the city who are work in, uh, in Claremont, uh, public works and administration already. Um, and, you know, Ebo is, is just a great guy. Uh, great, great guy. I, I, I had so much fun and I learned so much working with him. That's awesome. I know. Cause I saw that somewhere. Um, but I'm, I have to be honest, I'm not super into politics. I was when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I've just kind of drifted away. So I'm not really familiar with who's on council or not on council. So yeah, yeah, so that's cool that you at least had that experience. Okay, the reason I brought you on today was because you, um, obviously as everyone knows, George Floyd 
his death was kind of, I mean, a shot heard around the world, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even people in other countries were protesting. Yeah. Definitely, um, it kind of like lit a spark. And I, I don't even know how many protests there were. I, I, do you know how many? Probably hundreds, I would say. Yeah, uh, every single state has protested. Yeah. Um, and at least like 20 states, uh, 20 countries across the world. Uh, I've just, the, the outpour of support mm. from all over the world has just been amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yep. Angela, Angela Davis, who is, was a, a, a big figure in the civil rights movement back in the 60s, she said that she's never seen anything like it. So um, the, 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 I, I think there, there's something different about this time. I hope, I hope, I can really only, only hope, um, but, you know, with, um, you know, activism and, you know, war being, getting, coming together as a community, we can affect change. Um, but absolutely, this, this, yeah, this is, it's bigger, it's a big moment, um, bigger than the past. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so you actually were able to, you organized a protest and yeah. you were able to, there were hundreds of people in attendance and it was a successful, peaceful protest because some of the protests yeah. that have been, they started out peaceful and then ended up not peaceful. So I think it right. was an accomplishment that you set out to have a peaceful protest and you did that. So can you kind of tell us what prompted you, you know, to, to take up that huge task? Yeah, um, well, Originally, the idea for the protest wasn't even mine. I was approached by a friend um, who we went to we went to high school and middle school together, um, and he asked me, you know, hey, I know you you know a lot of people and you have some excuse me connections, um, you know, would you be interested in setting this up or you know working with me to help set this up? Um, and I you know said absolutely. I, I jumped at the chance. Um, it was. I, I didn't I didn't know how it would be received in Claremont um, because I know the makeup of people that we have here. It's such a diverse community, um, politically as well as racially and, and ethnically. Um, but just the you know I didn't know how it would be received, but I knew that we needed it. Um, it was because a lot of people tend to think that Claremont. Um, is a place where things like that, things like this don't happen. And absolutely, you know, we've never seen something of the magnitude of George Floyd happen or, or anything, or even one of the other cases. But, you know, we needed to show that just because it doesn't happen here doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yes. Um, just because it's not on your front doorstep knocking at your door doesn't mean that it's not knocking on somebody else's door. Yes. Uh, and that's that's the big part um, of 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 why the, the why behind it, because we're you know, we're not here to, you know, uh, agitate the community. I love Claremont. I I've grown up here. I've lived here my whole life. I can you know, I know a lot of local business owners um, and I would never in a million years want for, uh, you know, any rioting or looting to ever happen. So that was why the peaceful was put atop, uh, above everything else. I wanted people to come and show love and show support. And, you know, we can get our message and our point across without being violent. Yeah. Um, you know, 
And especially at the fact that we're in downtown Claremont in a place where, you know, people are already, there are a couple of people who are already expecting for us to get, for things to get out of hand, who want to agitate and, um, you know, disturb the peace. So being peaceful was a huge, huge, um, you know, thing for me. Like every single time I got on, on the megaphone, I was telling, okay, there are going to be agitators. There are going to be outside forces that we cannot control, but we need to stay peaceful above all else. Because if we lose the ability to control our own narrative, then everybody else they push out what they want to say about us and then we then we no longer have control. Yeah, you lose your say about it. Absolutely. So being peaceful allows us to keep control over our own our own story and how we want to portray ourselves and the message that we want to get across. So yeah, that's why that's why I made sure that we stayed peaceful. Yes, um that's awesome. And I actually, one of my friends was able, well, several of my friends were able to attend. And one of them said that she was walking and there were some police officers behind her. And all of a sudden this guy came up and started like cussing and yelling at the police officers right in their face. And yeah. so like you said, like there were people there who wanted yeah. to cause dissension. And she, my friend actually stood in between them. She kind of like got in between the officer and yeah. the guy and was like, no, that that's not what this is about. So you're right. It's definitely, um, there were people who, if you would have let them, you know, take it whichever direction they wanted to, they certainly would have. Um, and yeah. so something that I, like I said, I wasn't able to go to your protest, but I, I did have friends who were like taping the live feeds. So I was able to catch, catch some of it. Um, and one of the things that you said during your speech was to the police, please know that we are not judging you. And we are not here to disrespect you on an individual level, but rather we are here to challenge a system that was fundamentally flawed from its inception. And we want to put the system on trial, not the individual. Um, can you kind of dive into really what that means and you know, kind of talk about why, why you chose to, to involve the police in this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, if you look at the police, uh, the system of the police, the creation of it was the runaway slave patrol. Mm. That, if you look into the history of it, the, the, the police system was created to, you know, catch runaway slaves. Mm. Um, you know, people were very good at policing their own communities and passing judgment and doing those things locally in their own communities. Mm. We, didn't, we didn't need police, you know? And, you know, I'm kind of getting uh, a little off topic, but that's why you see places like San Diego and uh, Minneapolis changing from uh, police forces to a more community serving uh, police, pol police style department. Mm -hmm. um, the, if you have a system that's created on racism and oppression, like, like how the police system was created, then everything that comes after that is just, is not good. Um, it's, it's failed. Um, when you get that system, because, you know, we understand that every police officer isn't a bad person. Um, and we understand that there's a few bad apples, um, you know, like they say, that give the people a bad name. Mm -hmm. They give the rest of, they give good police officers a, a bad name. Um, but, you know, when you hear things like ACAB and, you know, defund the police and, and these, these types of things, it's not, we're not here to disrespect 
police officers individually. I have family members that are that are law enforcement. I have friends that are uh, law enforcement. Uh, you know, I have you know people whose friends of uh, family friends who have, who work as our police officers. So you know, I would never want for them to fear their lives when they fear for their lives when they go out and go to work. This is that's not what this is about. We are not here to disrespect the individual police, every single individual police officer, um, but the system rather, uh, and it's been perpetuated over like hundreds of cases where we've seen the police. Um, act a certain way towards black and brown people at a disproportionate rate. And that's what we're here to challenge. That's what we're here to, to go up against. It's not, because you know, we know that there are cops who like, Officer Cologne, great officer. He lives in Claremont, he works in Claremont Police Department. He, um, you know, I remember being 15, 16 years old, he'll come out to the, to the courts and come play basketball with us. Mm -hmm. You know, I just met Chief Broadway for the first time. Um, oh, that was the first time you met him? I didn't know that. Yeah, that was the first time, like, well, not the, we had meetings up leading to, leading up to the uh, protest, but, you know, that first meeting that we had was the first time I met him, and that was like a week before the protest. Mm -hmm. um, he's a great guy, uh, you know, great leader, and, you know, we, we're still staying in touch. Absolutely. And so, you know, we understand that there are cops out here that are doing great jobs in their communities um, and doing what they can, but are being given a bad name because of a few other, other, other people. But in that same breath, there are people who like, like in the George Floyd incident, that cop laid on that man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and three other cops watched him. Yeah. That makes you complicit in, in what's happening. If you're watching and you're not saying anything, then you fall under ACAP. You fall under you know, the, why the people are angry. Um, again, there are, a few, there are cops that are, that are, doing, who are doing, not doing that at all and who are doing the right things, but that's not the narrative that's being pushed, the narrative that a lot of people see every day. Um, so that's why you get the anger and the people are hurt and upset just because of the, what they see, you know, and, and they can't, they don't know how to use that anger, you know, you know what I mean? In, in a productive and um, constructive way. Yes, that's true. Um, Cause I, same as you, I have family and friends and, you know, family, friends, and all that stuff that are police officers as well. And it kind of, to me, feels like a double-edged sword almost because I can't, my personal opinion, I don't believe defunding the police is the answer. I believe that maybe training or so, there's some sort of way, there has to be something to just kind of change the system. So yeah. again, I don't believe in oppression of anyone, you know, if, systemic oppression. And I don't believe in that. So I feel like, I kind of feel torn because I'm like, right. yeah, no. So, I mean, when we say defund the police, we don't mean get rid of the police um, completely. We mean change the system as we know it. Uh, so, you know, look at London, for example. Their police officers don't carry guns. No, that's true. They, they really? carry the UK in general, because we went to Ireland and they don't, they don't carry guns there. You know, the, the systems would be replaced um, by a case-to-case -case basis because not every single situation requires a police officer, um, you know, 
perfect example. There, a couple of years ago, there's a video of a social worker with a, uh, he was sitting on the ground with an autistic man um, who was one of his uh, patients or one of his, you know, one of his uh, people that he works with. Um, and the police pulled up to them, um, start asking questions. He's telling his, um, you know, his, his person to, you know, to be calm. And he's trying to explain to the police officers that he has autism. He, he doesn't know how to respond to um, verbal communications, especially when he's being yelled at, like these officers were yelling at him. And while this man is trying to explain uh, his, you know, his, what's going on, he has his hands in the air and he still ends up getting shot. This is a, and so like in that situation, why don't you bring a social worker or, or somebody who's trained to de-escalate situations? Mm -hmm. um, there, I, I, the young man's name is escaping me right now, but the man who was just killed at a Wendy's parking lot in Georgia, he was, uh, he was drunk, um, but the cops, you know, he's in the video, he's de-escalating the situation, trying to say, you know, okay, I, I was sitting in my car, it was parked, I shouldn't have been in the car, but you know, if you guys let me go, I will walk home. Uh, he was trying to defuse the situation and he still ended up dead. So there's a, a systematic problem with the police as we know them today. Um, if, like you said, that comes with, the change comes with different training, um, you know, and not necessarily, even a new name, um, something that's less aggressive. Because when you get, um, poor communities, inner city areas, um, you know, who are already distrustful of the cops, uh, of the police, and you have people coming and the police come into these neighborhoods and things like that, and they already have a chip on their shoulder because they're working in these low income neighborhoods where crime is high, um, then you get friction between the two, the two where there doesn't need to be friction. So you know, defund the police doesn't you know, necessarily mean we don't need police at all because we do, we do. Just like we need firefighters and we need, um, so like every, every part of the system has a, has a place, but it needs to be reformed. That's where the word, the term, the, it's the, I don't, I don't like the term defund. I like the term demilitarization mm. because we've got a lot, we, like if you've seen the videos of the protests, uh, the police are out in full riot gear with tanks behind them and um, tear gas canisters of, you know, that, that look like grenade launchers. And it's, it's a, uh, and you get, when you, people see that, they automatically want to fight back against that. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's not necessarily defunding them to the point where, uh, you know, they, they hold no place or power in our society. It's defunding them to the point where, the system has changed and that we don't know them as we knew them before. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Cause I, I definitely, like I said, for me, I felt so torn. I mean, cause I can't get behind something that if my family's going to lose their job, you know, I'm like, yeah. that's not, yeah. you know, yeah. and it kind of goes to the point where police officers are seeking out black people, you know, more so than they are. Like there's, higher arrest rates, there's higher incarceration rates for people of color. Not even, because I'm reading this book right now, I just read it called So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluo. And she brought a good point to my attention was that it's not even just black people, it's Middle Eastern people. It's yeah, people, yeah. back at our history with Native Americans, what was done to them, you know, it's really just 
anyone who's a person of color. So that, that really brought to my forefront because I guess I had never really, and I started asking around and I have a friend who is Peruvian and she was telling me about some of the times that she's been followed in stores by police officers. And so really it's not even just black people, it's just yeah. people of color. So that was something yeah. that I was kind of, I, I was unaware of, you know, to be honest. Yeah. So um, another point from that book that I thought was really, really good was um, she said, we cannot talk our way out of a racially oppressive system. We can talk our way to understanding and we can then use that understanding to act. And that's from page 234, 235. Um, so what are some changes that you think, in addition to the ones we've already talked about, are there any others that you, you would like to see implemented? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that come, that starts in like uh, the, the, the form of like a community police review board. Um, we don't have that in Claremont or in Lake County. Those would be independent citizens who are not affiliated with the government, who are able to look at a case-by-case -case basis of every um, every police interaction that has somewhat gone wrong, um, where somebody files a complaint or something like that, where we're able to look at them as a citizen and say, okay, that's not that's not right, or you know, the officer was in every right to do what he did. Um, but there needs to be that unbiased opinion that's able to look out and say, okay, these are all red flags. He shouldn't be on the force anymore. Um, because Derek Chauvin had multiple cases of instant and instances where he has shown he did not need to have a badge and a gun. He had killed before. He's been in multiple, multiple altercations with people, you know, just terrible, terrible things. And the Minnesota prosecutor let him off and just, and let him back, go back on the force. And if there was an independent review board happening that, you know, I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened or he still wouldn't, would be on the force, but that could have changed the outcome. Um, absolutely. You know, um, we need to be working on getting young people to vote. Mm. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. People, historically, young people don't vote. And that's, that's just historic. That's just facts. Uh, we need to change the stigma behind um, the young people's vote. Young people, you know, the biggest, their biggest complaint when I talk to people my age is, you know, it's one vote. My vote doesn't matter. Well, when you look at it like that, and I have 10 people who tell me that, and then they have all have 10 friends who tell them that that's a thousand people. Or, yeah, that's a, you know, that's, that's a lot of people. Yeah, and especially that, that, that's can, not a super huge town. Like you, right, right. percentage of young people, I mean, that's a, a decent majority that could really sway the vote. Absolutely. In direction. And you know, people are like, well, when I get into the, when I get into the, the booth, I have no clue who to vote for because I don't know these people. And I'm like, okay, do vote by mail. I do vote by mail. I don't know every single single uh, person on the ballot, that I, but I literally will do look at have my vote by mail, look up who each person is, find out who I most subscribe to, and then vote for that person. It's, it's not hard. We have um, an amazing thing called cell, cellular devices at our fingertips. And it takes less than five minutes to look somebody up and find out a campaign, like their, their campaign promises, what they plan to do, what they stand for. It, it doesn't take long to do that. So, you know, um, 
we have been given an amazing, amazing opportunity. Up until 60 years ago, my grandma, you know, my grandmother couldn't go to vote. Like that, that was one, two generations ago. My grandmother literally could not vote. She was born in 1945. That's not that long ago. Um, but they marched and were sprayed by hoses and bitten by police dogs for to give us the right to vote. And you want to sit here and tell me that you're not going to exercise that right? And then, that, and then for what, you know? And then, and then you complain about the things that, that go on and you didn't vote. So that's the big thing. And I'm not attacking anybody. If anything, I want to promote awareness. But, you know, this is a big issue that people, especially people my age, I'm 21, um, people my age struggle with, and especially the Black community. They're distrustful of government um, because they don't, they don't see anything happening for them. Um, well, I'm like, well, did you vote? No. Did your family members vote? No. I don't, well, you know, and so that's why we're trying to um, change the stigma um, and change, you know, the outlook and perception on voting because there is power in voting and power in numbers. So when we get our numbers together, we can't, there, you, nobody can tell us anything. Yeah. Um, so that's where it all starts with unity um, and being informed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it all starts. So we're working on, coming together in our community in Claremont um, and trying to trying to start that conversation, that dialogue. Yeah, and that I love that. I mean, because even to be honest, I am a white female and I can't say that I trust the government. I mean, you read their campaign promises and then yeah. see what they actually do with that. So right. I, I do see that point where I, I feel the same way sometimes. I'm like, well, I voted for you because you said this, this, and this. And then when you get right. an office, you're not doing any of you're not fulfilling any of those promises so I can relate to that too as like well why even bother if you know they say one thing and do another so I I get that I get that point of it okay so as we've talked about um times are very turbulent right now obviously um it's definitely can be a scary time for some people so if there's someone listening right now who is just scared about what might happen do you have any sort of encouragement that you would like to offer them yeah absolutely um you know, just, we need to, we can't give up. We can't stay complacent. This is a, this is a 400 year battle. Um, this has, this is not new, um, you know, and there are people much stronger than, than I um, and much smarter than I who are saying the same things, but you know, we just haven't been listening. So the time, this, if, if anything, this is the time for change. There, I've never seen um, a support from not only just all across the country, but all across the world that we've seen now. Um, so, you know, dialogues that we may not have been able to have a year or so ago are able to be had now. Um, so, you know, you need to be, you need to have these conversations. When I, you know, a lot of people my age, especially, uh, they like to shy away from conversations about race. And I'm like, no, we, we need to have these conversations. These don't need to be uncomfortable conversations because whether we all like it or not, we're black, we're white, we're brown, we're Asian, you know? And that's, those are, we're, it's okay to be proud of our heritage and where we come from, uh, but we need to be able to talk about these things. They're not exclusive um, to any, any one person. 
uh, or, you know, or, or group of people, we're all the human race. Um, you know, the notion of race itself really was, is made up, but that's a whole another conversation for yeah. another day. Um, but, you know, since, and we live in a, in a racial time in America, we need to be able to have that conversation because, you know, whether you, whether some people like it or not, before somebody knows me or knows how well-spoken I am or where I went to school, yada, 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 I'm a black, I, I'm a black man first. You yeah. know, when they look at me and see me, I'm a black man first. Mm -hmm. And whatever stereotypes or biases that you may have against black people or black men, um, you know, that may, they may go on in your, in your head. But when you find out, you know, who I am and your perception may change of me. Um, but that's still, that's still, and that allows for me to, you know, talk about these things. Yeah. Uh, so we need to be able to, don't be scared mm. to have these, these un uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, because I've been there. I've had, I've had these uncomfortable conversations um, with my friends, with, you know, family friends, uh, uh, you know, where I'm the only black person in the room and I'm trying to, talk about black issues and I, I have to be the face of the race almost. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, absolutely. But you need, to, you need to be able to have these conversations and speak up because if you don't do it and you let somebody, you know, just say whatever about whatever the issue is, then you're reinforcing their biases. Mm -hmm. um, and especially if they're wrong um, and you know that they're wrong, don't be afraid. Because when, because I've literally had people who I disagreed with on every fundamental level in the past come to me and say, hey, I was wrong. And mm -hmm. I thank you for, for speaking out to, like, and saying something. And, yeah. you know, you may not get that, you may not get that, um, that reaction firsthand. But if that person actually takes the time to educate themselves, mm -hmm. they, will, they will see that, you, you know, you are not just spewing out things that aren't true. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, take it all in stride, but above all, don't be afraid. Yeah. And that goes back to the book I was talking about. So you want to talk about race. She has like literally a discussion guide in the back of the book because white people or even black people were reading the book and going, oh my gosh, like you're putting things in a way that I never realized. And one of the things that she's so big about is having the conversations. And she even says in the book, look, some are going to go wrong. Like you're going to have the conversation and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be like, Oh shoot, I just offended that person. But she said the same thing that she's had people come back to her months, even years later, just like how you said, like, oh man, you know, you were right about XYZ, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and right. so I feel like that's a good point just to for anyone is educate yourself. I mean, as you and I were saying, um, I've read so you want to talk about race. Right now I just started um how to be an anti-racist by I don't know how to say his name. Ibram, maybe? Ibram Kennedy this book right here. I'm like, I don't know how to say it. It's really good. Um, and it's definitely eye-opening, but I feel like that's, that's part of what we should all be doing is like, what part are we playing in this? Right. You know, when it comes to, are you, you're not racist, but how are you thinking and really feeling? Get down to the root of like, oh man, I have said some racist things. I have done some racist things. So I feel right. like just for anyone is to kind of look at what Absolutely. you're playing and see maybe how you're perpetuating it without even really realizing it yeah. yeah and you know we're not we're not like we all see race you know we don't want people who say 
I don't see race, I'm colorblind. Well, that's not true. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not true. Um, we, if you don't see race and you don't, you're colorblind, then you don't see the patterns that occur um, when in society and in, on your TV. So we need to be able to see race and we need to be able to have that dialogue. We need to be able to talk about the uncomfortable things. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I'm sitting at a church group um, with some with church friends um, and we're sitting at a, I believe we're at a gas station uh, where we were just talking about, we're talking about whatever. And then it was either uh, Mike Brown comes up and I'm talking about Mike Brown and I'm like, well, you know, he's, I'm trying, I'm literally the only black kid there, one. And we're having this conversation and I'm trying to explain that, okay, not every, yes, not every cop is bad. You know, the same things that, the same things that me and you have talked about, um, but you know, this is not a, a one-time instance. And I'm trying to explain to them the behind, everything behind that leading up to that. Um, and they, you know, they really didn't, they couldn't grasp it. Um, but you know, I had a black, a black woman who was about you know 30 years old or so, um, she came up to me and she said, you know, thank you. Like, I, I know it's hard, um, but you know, thank you for saying something. You could, you should, you could have been silent and you know, yeah. just let them go on and say those things or, or you know, because I know that it wasn't um, a willful ignorance. It was yeah, a place that they, they, they really just didn't know. Um, and that's the case for a lot of people in America. They really just don't know. Um, so that's the big thing is, is being able to educate um, as well as being, you know, while being, uh, you know, palatable in a way that people can receive. Um, because, you know, if you get up there and start spewing, you know, vitriol and saying all these things with, you know, passion, um, then you, it may be perceived a certain way. So coming off as educated, calculated, when you when you have these conversations, that's how you need to come off. You need to come off as you know what you're talking about. You're sourced. You're you're coming up. You have sources. You're credible, and then you back. That's how you back up your emotion is with the facts. So that's how you're able to have these conversations and be able to change people's um, viewpoints. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of people talk about. I guess there's two types types of personas to kind of go you can either be a malcolm or a martin yeah is that kind of what you're talking about where malcolm yeah. was in yeah. space and martin was kind of like took a more practical like is that what you yeah. mean and you know and i think i think it takes a, a mixture of both um in order to be effective you know because um america kind of washes over um what Martin Luther King was all about. He really wasn't all, he wasn't the super peaceful protest guy. Like he got made into that guy over, over time as, as time went on, but that really wasn't what he was about. He was about change and activism um, just in a different way that Malcolm was. And that's the difference. Um, Malcolm was more in your face, more, you know, stick it to the man. Um, but, uh, and Martin was more political, more, um, more soft-spoken, more, you know, he still, they're both, they both echoed the same sentiments. 
They just did went about it in different ways. So I think that it takes a, a mixture of both in order to really get your point across, um, in order to, to be radical, but palatable, you know? Yeah. So that, that's, because being radical, like change won't happen without being radical. Um, but you need to be, you need to do it in a way that people that don't look like yourself can receive. Yeah, that's true. That's good advice. Okay, so I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you for coming on here, first of all. Um, and if people want to connect with you, how, how can they? Yeah, um, I am RJ Rogers on Facebook. Um, one way, the number one way, RJ underscore on Instagram and one way RJ, no underscore on Twitter. So yeah, those are all of my socials. Um, you know, anybody that wants to reach out or you know wants to create a start a dialogue about anything, please don't hesitate to you know contact me. Yeah. Um, I'm more than willing to you know talk about these things because these things need to be talked about. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, thank you once again, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Encourageous Podcast. I hope today's story left you feeling encouraged and inspired. Come back every other Thursday for a new episode and be sure to subscribe. Your support makes a world of a difference, especially for a new and bi-weekly podcast like this one. If you want to connect with me on social, you can find me on both Instagram and Facebook at The Encourageous Podcast. Until next time, stay encourageous. Encourageous.